Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Hey there, and welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm your host, Lindsay Foss. If you're new to Behind the Line, what you should know about me is that I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy. And after over a decade working with first responders and frontline workers around issues like burnout, compassion fatigue, PTSD, and related OSIs, I've become a passionate wellness advocate and educator for those who sacrifice so much for our communities out on the front lines. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real life behind the scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. Today, we're back talking about grounding skills and ways to strengthen and resource our brain so that our brain can do its best, allowing us to be our best. Now, last week, we talked about some basics around what grounding is and how it works. We also focused on practical and applicable strategies for physical grounding, which uses our bodies to help turn on parts of our brain that help to counterbalance our stress center and regulate our system. Today, we're gonna be taking it one step further, and we're talking about mental grounding activities. Before we go into the practical skills, let's pause for a minute and make sure we feel really clear on what we're doing and why it matters because feeling really tethered to it mattering is what will help us engage the skills rather than stay in our default patterns. I want you to think of your brain like a muscle. I know it's not technically a muscle, but let's pretend for a minute because in a lot of ways it has some parallels in how it operates. The more you use a muscle, the stronger it gets. When we need a muscle or muscle group to work for us in different significant ways, We can benefit from taking time to stretch it, strengthen it, and so on. We also stand to benefit from strengthening surrounding and supportive muscle groups to help facilitate the success and sustainability of the muscle or muscle group that we demand a lot from. If we don't carefully attend to caring for these muscle groups that we rely on, we risk injury. Your brain, if we can use the muscle analogy, has areas that tend to get worked out at a far higher rate than others. Our lives from quite young train us to be very conscientious about the future, thinking, planning, anticipating, worrying about what comes next. We also train our brains to be highly aware of the past, reflective, learning, ruminating about what has happened so we can try to recreate what's gone well and deflect from reliving things that haven't gone great. These pieces of our experience, past and future, tend to activate the areas of our brain connected to our stress center, giving it a pretty consistent workout. Add to that being in a job that is high stress and demanding, along with being in a daily life that tends to be pretty demanding in its own right, your stress center has learned to be a pretty dominant force in your brain, because it's the muscle you use most. Meanwhile, using it so often and asking it to lift so much of the weight of life can lead it to being exerted to exhaustion. We risk injury, 
i.e. mental illness and related concerns, if we don't offer it some support. This is where grounding comes into play. Grounding activities, particularly mental grounding activities, help to activate your prefrontal cortex. Your prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that's responsible for all your higher order, characteristically human capacities, like language, problem solving, rational thinking, and so on. Our prefrontal cortex is where our executive functioning lives. This is the part of us that can assess, make decisions, and determine next steps. When your prefrontal cortex is working, it acts as a support system to your stress center. When your stress center says, time to freak out, your prefrontal cortex, if sufficiently strong, will jump in and say, hang on a sec, let's assess and go from there. The problem is that our stress center is connected to a very long evolutionary history of keeping us safe. It jumps to conclusions and acts without consulting your prefrontal cortex. Because we've trained our stress center to be really strong, it dominates the conversation in our mind. It calls the shots without consultation. This is why we have to train our prefrontal cortex. The more intentional we can be about working out our prefrontal cortex, the stronger a voice it will have to demand that our stress center take a breath before reacting and allow a more balanced conversation to unfold. Again, if we anchor to the muscle analogy, think of your stress center as your abs. You do a ton of crunches and sit-ups and bicycles. You do this every day and over time you get some killer abs. Now think of your prefrontal cortex as your back muscles. If you don't equally work to strengthen your back, having killer abs will be largely ornamental and not super functional. Strong abs without a strong back sets off your alignment, weakens your posture, and limits your ability to engage in activities with the full strength that your abs have to offer. When you value the supportive muscle groups, you support your whole self, and that's what we're aiming for. You've done a great job working out your stress center. I'm sure it's really, really strong. But is it helping you? Is it capable of doing what you need it to do when you need it to do it in a way that benefits you? My hunch is that the answer is no. My guess is that your stress center leads you to overreact or underreact in certain situations. That it might lead you to freeze in some situations and go overboard exhausting its own reserves in other scenarios. I would bet that it often leaves you feeling regret about how you handled something or uncertain about what to do next. And I bet it costs you a lot of energy. Energy you likely don't feel that you have to spare. So if we're gonna train our brain to strengthen the prefrontal cortex to help balance out our stress center, let's get to it. Today, we're gonna to talk about seven totally practical activities you can do anywhere, anytime to help with mental grounding. And yes, you'll find these in the show notes as a quick reference if you need them after you're done listening. Let me state that these work best when practiced and can be used whenever as a training tool. That said, these can also be fantastic tools to pull out in moments of high stress. 
particularly if you've practiced them in times of lower stress, to help turn on your prefrontal cortex and give it a vote in the decisions your stress center is making. When people do therapy for anxiety, panic attacks, and things like that, grounding activities are some of the first things we cover, as they can be really effective ways to help the brain regulate fairly quickly. Okay, number one, use short-term recall. Your prefrontal cortex loves to notice differences and distinctions, track things, and make use of short-term recall. Try a memory game. Google spot the difference pictures and you'll find an endless collection of images where your brain can work to find the distinctions. Similarly, playing memory with the flip cards or playing that game with your kids where you line up items and take a few away to see which ones are missing can be great fun ways of strengthening your prefrontal cortex and theirs. Also, games like Bop It or Simon, where you have to keep track of an order, can be easy to do solo or with others. Number two, play a categories game. I often suggest to my clients that they play the alphabet game. Choose a category, fruits and veggies, singers, song titles, movie titles, Disney characters, dog breeds. Legitimately, it could be virtually anything and work the category through from A to Z. Try to find at least one thing for each letter. A, apple, B, banana, C, cantaloupe. If you get stuck, remember that the point of the activity is not actually to find something for each letter. It's to turn on your prefrontal cortex and regulate your stress center. So if you're starting to get stressed that you can't find a fruit or veggie that starts with the letter X, Side note, there is not one. I've Googled it. Skip it and move on. No one will ever know and you're not being tested. Number three, use math. Your prefrontal cortex is heavily involved in all things numbers, sequencing, and related skills. So engaging in anything math related will give this part of your brain a workout. Try doing random arithmetic equations or Google Mad Minutes and work through the equations with a timer. Things like counting by threes or counting backwards from 100 can be great too. Number four, recall and recite. Try to memorize a phrase from a poem, the lyrics to a song, or some other bit of information. Then work to recall and recite it. Remember, your prefrontal cortex is really highly involved in all things language. So accessing verbal information and speaking it out loud makes this task an extra intense workout for this part of your brain. Number five, repeat a grounding phrase. Choose some basic information that you can identify and repeat that helps you know when and where you are. Something like your name, your age, today's date, your location, and that you are safe. Again, using language and data-based information like dates, locations, times, and so on, really help our prefrontal cortex to turn on, allowing us to counterbalance stress and its related feeling, fear. Number six, get graphic. Nope, I don't mean that kind of graphic. I mean descriptive. You can use this one in a lot of ways. Here are a few. Try describing your immediate environment in detail. The colors, the textures, the sounds, the temperature, 
all of it. Another version is describing a task you're doing or an everyday kind of a task in detail. Break it down like you're describing it to an alien who has no idea what you're talking about. Again, the prefrontal cortex loves language, sequencing, and identification. So when we look around and identify our environment or the pieces of a task, the order in which things happen, and the descriptive traits of these pieces, our prefrontal cortex is being highly activated and strengthened. And last but not least, number seven, meditation. As discussed in our episode with Olivia from Yoga for First Responders a couple of weeks ago, meditation is a powerful tool that people tend to have a lot of weird stigma around. Mindful meditation does not have to take a long time, and it does not mean turning your brain off. It does mean focusing our attention, and this uses our prefrontal cortex. Choose something to focus on, something in the room, a specific sound or tone, counting your own breaths, or a mantra or phrase that you can either say out loud or in your mind a number of times. There you have it, seven skills for turning on your prefrontal cortex, training it to be strong and have a voice so it can kick in and help your stress center respond rather than react. Just like with physical strength training, it takes time and repetition. The more consistently you activate this muscle group, the stronger you'll get. As with most things, it means being intentional, remembering to fit this into your day and not get caught in your default patterns. If you have trouble thinking to do these things, I would suggest setting a reminder on your phone that notifies you to do one of these activities once or more each day. As you use them more, they will come to mind more in times when you need them or have free time to throw a bonus one into your day. You can also try prompts like having a post-it note on your bathroom mirror, fridge, car dashboard, or work computer to remind you to do a grounding activity. Being prompted in certain spaces can help us connect the activity to the environment, making it more likely that my brain will think to use the activity again if it needed to when in that same environment. So, If work tends to be a stress-filled place where accessing grounding and your prefrontal cortex would be really helpful, set up as many prompts in that space as you're able to and make use of them when you see them so that your brain builds up a connection between practicing these skills and being in this space. I'm sure that there are at least a few activities you can take from today's episode and try out. And when you do, I would love to hear about it. Reach out and connect tell me what you're working on and how it's going, or let me know if you have any questions or feedback more generally. I love hearing from you and shaping this podcast to echo your needs and interests. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Lindsay A. Foss, or you can email me at support at thrive-life.ca. For those who are keen to share about Behind the Line to others on the front lines, know that we can be found online on our website, on most major podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube. Click subscribe to get alerts about our latest episodes or subscribe to our email list to hear from me about all the exciting things we have going on and coming up. You'll find all the details you need in the show notes, along with links to our Beating the Breaking Point Indicators Checklist and Triage Guide to help facilitate self-assessing burnout and related concerns. We make all of this available to you because the work you do is vitally important. But more than that, 
You are vitally important. And we want to make sure you have what you need to keep up the good work. So use it and share it and be well, friends. I also want to wish all of you happy holidays. I hope you all stay safe this holiday season and know how much you are valued, both for the work you do and for the people you are. Until next time, friends, stay safe.